everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Lucas Hyde Podcast. It is Wednesday, August 8th, and today I have the last part of my episode with um, my friend Chris Cantwell. Um, this was an amazing experience. Again, I can't overstate how much I enjoyed doing this podcast, and he really, really listened really well to me, actually, because in this part of the podcast, we actually talked a lot, and I did most of the talking when I went back and listened to it, because um, he asked me a bunch of questions about nutrition. Before I get into that, I want to just do a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, if you guys listen to the Monday preview, uh, I actually am going away this weekend, so I'm probably going to have to record my Refresher Friday a little bit earlier than I normally would, um, so I'll record it uh, tomorrow, um, or no, I'll record it Wednesday evening, and so it won't be a complete recap of my week unless I can figure some way to record it while I'm down there and some way to upload it. And again, I told you guys, I don't really want to record it through the Anchor app. While that's a great app to use, if you guys haven't podcasted before, use the Anchor app. It's amazing. It's free and it makes it's the easiest podcasting experience. Now, since I just the way that my podcast works and the way I do the editing, um, I don't necessarily want to do that. So uh, I'll figure something out. I'm definitely going to put out a refresher Friday. Uh, I'm not too worried about it. Uh, I know it'll work out because I definitely want to do that. It's one of my favorite things to do. Now back to this podcast. So today we talked pretty much all about nutrition. Um, he wanted to ask me a little bit about fitness, but I talked, uh, if you guys heard the end of last week, I talked about how nutrition was where I started. So it's really important to me. It's a topic that I have a lot of passion for. And it's uh, one of my favorite things. So um, he asked me a lot about that, my thoughts on it. Now, these are a lot of my thoughts, my opinions on nutrition, because again, I don't have a degree. So this is my disclaimer right here. I don't have a degree. I don't have any fitness certifications or anything. Uh, I just read a lot about nutrition and I listen to a lot of nutrition folks or people in that realm in the health fitness area. And then I shared that what I've learned um, with Chris. And he asked me a lot of good questions. And this was probably the most focused our conversation was. We we pretty much talked about nutrition the entire time. So I hope you guys learned something. And without further ado, here is the last part of my episode with Chris Cantwell. Thank you so much, guys. I don't think it's as hard as people make it. I think you can be pretty healthy um, you, you might not be the healthiest person out there if you don't have access to maybe necessarily the best, most nutrient dense foods, but I think you can still make an attempt and still be generally pretty healthy, even if you can't afford maybe necessarily the best diet out sure. there. So that's where I started. And what you have to do, in my opinion, is give people accessible, um, attainable goals that they can then continue and you cannot overload them. So the issue I think that I see, especially when it comes to diet, is when if you come to me and ask me about my diet and ask what do you do, how do you eat the way you eat and why you've been eating that way that long, is I already know the benefits from it and I've been doing it for so long that for now it, I don't even think about it, right? Mm -hmm. So for someone who's doing it new, that is just completely overwhelming. So I don't – I intermittent fast every single day. Mm -hmm. I always hit 12 hours. I've done that for two years now. And usually I hit 14 to 16. Um, there was a period in time where I was doing 20 to 22 every day. And that was just, that was bananas. That yeah, was not healthy. 20 so, is rough. Yeah. yeah. So I was doing that. I don't eat any gluten. Uh, I don't do any sugar 
like sugar cane. So like processed sugar, the mm-hmm. only sugar I get is from either fruits or honey or something right. like that. All natural fruits. Um, I eat pretty much only organic non-GMO food, uh, or, and like grass fed beef and like, I'm very aware. It's just second nature to me. So let's stick with nutrition then. So you do that. You yeah. do all that, that stuff that I think most people might say is a bit too yeah, much. They, they probably aren't, like, they probably aren't willing to do it. So like, Let's speak directly to nutrition then. If you had to pick two, three, four things, mm. what would you say, I would are say the most effective, efficient things for people to do? The most effective, efficient thing, I would say that the fasting is good. I would say hitting the 12 hours at least is good because I don't think it's that hard. If you encounter eight hours of sleeping, if you account for that, I don't think it's that hard. And, and do, you, do you allow black coffee in the morning? Yeah, black coffee is fine. So that's... Very, if you adjust to it and you let yeah. your body have time, that's very I like easy the to black do. Coffee, especially because uh, you seem to get cognitive benefits as well when you're doing it on an empty stomach. Mm-hmm. So, especially from the caffeine, it goes right into your system. You don't have anything else processing at the same time, and then the caffeine seems to jitter you up a little bit more. And then also the coffee is, is uh, I think, helps. In my mind, I've heard a couple different things that say it also helps with some of the fat burning benefits too. It's also a diuretic too, so in the morning you can get things moving. Sure. Also, which people it, in the morning I think go and, like having a regimented time and everything like that. It helps with that. Sure. I think, that, I think, I think it's a problem. Thing. Like, Not a problem for me. It's a problem yeah. for some people, I guess. So, um, there's that, uh, and so I would say at least hit the twelve hours, and then from there, I honestly, what I tell people usually, uh, and again. The disclaimer, I'm not like a, I don't have a degree or anything. Um, I was talking about this with someone at work the other day. I said, you're already doing the 12 hours a day fast, right? Start there. Do that for two weeks. See how you feel. Do that for two weeks. Do it for a month. See how you feel. It's really, and you'll see it's not that hard to do. And on Sundays, give yourself the cheat day. And the cheat day is, I think, pretty important because you have to be able to acknowledge when you've done well and give yourself a little bit of a break because the whole thing you see is that people go on these diets and then they come back off the diets because it's just too hard to sustain that for too long. So when you say cheat day, do you mean cheating on the types of food you're eating or the time restriction? Uh, it can be either or. Okay. Um, what I do is I do the types of food that I'm eating. So I will still I still go gluten free and everything like that. And maybe I and I'll only hit twelve hours usually. So I'll hit like twelve or thirteen hours. Mm-hmm. But I'll have like I'll re- I do, I'm not regimented. Like last morning, yesterday I had pancakes in the morning. You know, mm-hmm. I had like I had paleo pancakes, but um, like that's a lot of carbs in the morning. But I mean. You need them. It was Sunday. And well, also, yeah. I need more carbs than the general person yeah. does because of the amount of activity I do. Mm-hmm. But I was saying, like, I think do that for a while, see how it feels. And then what you need to do there is from – it's different when you're trying to lose lots of weight as well. Um, if you compound that fact in there, um, it's pretty it, – you you the equation becomes essentially so much more intricate. But if you're just trying to be like healthy in general, yeah, I would say hit that 12 hour fast, see how you feel from that. And then once you start doing that, I would say start toying with the amount of carbs that you intake and uh, improving certain amounts of fat levels and everything like that and getting the right, right fats, eating from avocados, coconut oil, all those things. Less carbs, more fats. Okay. Yeah, start getting a little bit more towards there and find out when it's, but if you're not doing um, that much activity. Um, if you're doing a lot of activity though, I think you can account for a little bit more carbs. And then, um, from there though, I would say start cutting out foods that are quite blatantly not help, not, um, healthy for you. By what parameter? Like 
processed foods generally. Okay. So I'm thinking like really heavy processed sugars and like lots of like fast foods in general. Um, although there are some people that would say that if you could, um, you can still be somewhat healthy on that if that's all that you can afford. Uh, but even if you're doing other things like doing the intermittent fasting and everything like that, um, you can still have those benefits, but it just won't be compounded as much because you're not eating the best quality food. Mm -hmm. So for me, I would say, uh, and then I do, this is my personal thing. Some people would disagree with me is that, uh, I think the gluten's a big thing. Um, I think that the way that it processes, um, it can be just a bit of an issue and the way it is in the food now, especially like, especially with like, um, genetically modified foods in my opinion um it's really overblown especially and i think you can get like a lot of leaky gut issues and everything like that mm. um so that's where i started i started going gluten-free that's where i started mm. so um i always have like a little soft spot in my heart for pointing people in that direction i think it's helpful but i i would say honestly to start i would say try doing the fasting see how that feels so in this so in this so this in order of priority Start with intermittent fasting, mm -hmm. then okay. look at your, your carb fat ratio. I would probably say the sugars first. Sugars. Okay. I would say, I think sugars are, sugars are scary. Um, just the, what they can do, um, to you, especially with like insulin spikes and everything like that. And especially how addicting sugar is. Um, it's really, people don't realize that it's a, the way it operates on your brain and just how much reward you get from eating sugar and the high that you kind of get from it and the little, um, just how it goes straight into your system. And if you don't process all of it, so for people that aren't doing lots of amounts of activity, mm -hmm. um, the sugar is just going to, it's going to turn to fat because it's so many carbs. And, and when many you think about like how little sugar was available a hundred years ago, 200 years ago, like we net, like our body's never to deal with it. And now it's well, everywhere. That's the whole thing. So a lot of the principles that I come from is I try to, I definitely go towards looking at the research and looking at how things have changed over time. But what's really interesting to me is to break down nutrition as a problem and problem solve it. And how would we have, so the way I approach it is I look at how would we have evolved with our food and then applying it to see if logically you can find out what would be the best thing to eat for you. So, hmm. That is the most interesting thing for me because we, if you look at human time, it's like if you stretched out your arms, the amount of time that we've been like eating pasta and bread, like the way that we have and this, these high amounts of carbs, it's like this, like the time period is like minuscule yeah. compared to when you were say hunter gathering. That's the whole paleo principle. Now I don't necessarily think, I don't necessarily point people towards the paleo diet anymore. Um, just because I think that you can still, there's a lot of benefits you can get from eating really nutrient dense foods that are excluded in that diet. So I think like some potatoes, you can't have, like you can't have some potatoes on it. You can't really do beans. Um, you can't do chickpeas either because you nest, they necessarily might not have been available back in paleolithic times. I think that's the principle behind it. And this is, again, I'm just pulling this from my memory, sure. but, um, so I think about that that way. And then, but over time, eventually we introduce those things. So I think then you can either compound that even more. So geographically, I was talking about this with my friend yesterday. Uh, people were locked geographically and ate certain things. You didn't really travel as much. So then I look at it and say, say you did a 23andMe test and you found out that you were primarily, what are you? Are you? you know? I'm a mix, European mix. Yeah. So you're a European mix or whatever. Um, let's say we pick someone from China or, and they, um, 
are if you ate a traditional Chinese diet from, say, before the introduction of all these different types of foods, sugars, and all um, like mass processed food or um, whatever food is easily available, what, what you can easily like. Uh, we'll just we'll just pick on GMOs or whatever because if like applying that to make sure that the food grows like big or whatever. So say you just pick the most natural foods that would have been available at the time right. period for the longest period of time. How would you function on that? For me, that kind of logically that would make sense to me that you over time had grown with your not you specifically, but that generate or um, that specific group of people have grown to acclimate to a certain amount of food because that's all they had available. Yeah. So eventually they would have adjusted to those foods. So. I think that even you can go pretty deep into that and try. I, I haven't seen any evidence on it or anything, but I would think that logically that would make sense to me. That's how, kind of how I try to approach nutrition. Um, if I, so I'm primarily German. If I ate like, a, or let's say I did 23 me and found I wasn't that much German, but uh, where I found out my ancestry was from, and then I ate a primarily what the most prominent diet would have been at the time period, maybe I'd function super well and I would see some of the issues that maybe I have go away. Just because that's what I'm evolved and geared to do. Interesting. Yeah. So that's kind of, that's my favorite way to look at nutrition is try to problem solve it. And that's like the one that I'm dealing with now is, so those are like the questions that hit me. It's like for a long time, like, um, I would go into like the gluten issue was easy to pick on because, uh, we haven't had pasta and breads and everything that were there. There's also another protein that's in there. Or not protein. There's also another compound in there that's not gluten. It also starts with a G. I forget what it's called. Um, and there's that too. But just for the amount of time period that we have been around and that has been around, I could totally see that if you ate extreme amounts of that, where it might be an issue. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that was easy. That was I was stuck on that for a really long time, where I was like thinking about that. Like, is this true? Or can you see improvements? Now I know for myself, I've seen improvements by cutting out like like breads and everything like that. I've mm-hmm. seen. And that also might be just a consequence of cutting out more carbs and upping my fat intake. Right. I find that even if I introduce more carbs into my diet, I still function well if it's, um, just, uh, if it's not breads or anything. So I like that. And and then that's, it's like a deep rabbit hole. So yeah, we kind of went off in the weeds from what I was saying. Like, yeah, sorry. Fasting. Um, Yes. No sugar. Balance your carbs and fat. Yeah. Then finding a good balance. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's important is everything comes down to essentially finding the balance of what your body can take. Cause there will be periods of time where I'll go a little bit more ketogenic, but I don't seem to function as well. And then there'll be other times where I do it and I seem to function a little bit better. So I think that there's periods of time where your body can handle a little bit more. And I think your body can kind of acclimate to eating the same. If you ate the same thing every single day, I think you can kind of throw things out of whack, especially in your gut microbiome because you're, you're only feeding those. So there's these, there's microbacteria in your gut, right? And so they essentially break down the food in the gut and then extract nutrients and everything like that. And you absorb what comes out. And, um, that makes sense. That's kind of like a, a basic, there's other ways that you absorb things, but that's kind of a basic breakdown. Um, and if you, so I got my gut tested and I had a really high level of Prevotella, I believe. Um, and it can be, it's really good at high, uh, metabolizing uh, vegetables. So for the longest time, I was eating two packs of broccoli every single day with a dozen eggs. I was eating that every single day. It was the only thing I was eating. So it makes sense that, and I was doing that for like months. 
mm-hmm. because this was um it was just I knew how to make it and I really enjoyed making it. I loved eating it. So but then I started having some gut issues. And now I really struggle with broccoli. Like if I have broccoli, I can tell that my guts are It's off. like fighting back now. Yeah. So I don't want that stuff. Like hmm. I could totally see where you can kind of throw your body out of balance by eating the same food every single time. So I think that there's like because if you look at it like if um you this is again this is my like me applying my logic problem solving to it there would be periods of time in winter say mm-hmm. you would not have access to fresh fruits for sure because it would all die off it would all just it'd be dead um the plants aren't growing it's just too much energy to um the way plants work it's just too much energy to then flower and everything like that yeah. they, they, they essentially go into like a hibernation and so you wouldn't have as much access to that you'd be eating I would think like more primarily like roots or pickled radishes. Yeah. Stuff like that. Like, uh, or, um, lots of meat. So mm-hmm. maybe there's something to be said, like when it comes around to wintertime, you eat like a lot of that. I'm not saying that specifically, but I think that that kind of speaks to that. There might be some sort of cycling thing there where you can function, uh, better on certain, like upping your carbs at certain periods of time. And then your body adjusts to that. And then you have to kind of shock it back. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Never thought of that. Yeah. So I kind of, so I, cause I don't think it's necessarily good to just eat the same. I think it's the same thing with working out. Like if you just do the same workout all the time, like you're not going to get the same benefits later on. Your body's going to become acclimated to it. So then it's maybe then it's time to switch it up. Yeah. So I think the same thing with diet. I think finding a variety and, um, like getting good variety in your diet, having those healthy fats and balancing out the carbs and everything for what the activity level you're doing. Um, I think then finding that and then. I think getting a healthy relationship with your food, I think that's pretty important. That like, What do you mean by that? So understanding when you can and can't eat certain things, but um, that might be one thing, like actually getting the diet okay, but not getting too overboard with it. I think that's important. So like there was a period of time where I was like so overboard with it that I like my hair was falling out because I wasn't eating anything because I couldn't have access to the right foods. So I think understanding the – there's like there's a big when you start getting healthy and you start focusing on that there can be like a big shocker where you realize you're not doing things as that you haven't been doing things as um as healthy as you could have been for a really long time Mm -hmm. so you can kind of kind of go all the way in the opposite direction where you start like really hammering it in but which that, that can become like stress you know yeah like trying to get the right foods all the time where i talked about this a little bit with professor where it was um uh, sometimes loosening up is actually good for your body. And I think uh, challenging your body a little bit sometimes can be good. Well, that probably also fat- follows the pattern you were just mentioning. There's going to be times where there's plenty. Yeah. So you've mm-hmm. got to have plenty too. Yeah. So I think that doing the fasting um, and then moving there, sugar's kind of scary for me. I just don't think it, like, I don't know. Just the th- I don't think that the positives outweigh for just like overall general health. Is that What good? positives are there? The... Like I thought like it was like, it's like a, it's like a dessert. Like it's something like a reward. So for an athlete, if you were going out, so Ben Greenfield did something like this where he was eating, he did straight gels like fructose dextrose. Yeah. And also was when he was in a fasted state, I believe he went and competed in a Spartan, took exogenous ketones. And on top of that, took all this dextrose and uh, like all maltodextrin, all these different types of sugars. And he said his body was jacked up. And it's getting all this energy. It's getting, getting fat so energy and it's energy. getting carb so energy. energy. Because if you, it's, it's, I think it's a lot easier for your body to do the fat energy 
and then um, then go into the your stores that are created from um, from the energy that you get from sugar or carbs and everything like that. I think you can kind of find a balance there. Hmm. If you so if your your body's used to it and you're in a fasted state, the fat part will be easy. And then if you're doing like really high spurts of energy, then I think doing like the carb sugar energy, like your glycogen stores and everything like that start to kick in. Yeah. When I, I, I was doing low carb for a while, high fat, and that's the jujitsu jiu was the issue. I could do every other part of my life, low carb, uh, maybe not full ketogenic, but as soon as I went to jujitsu and I needed that explosive energy to be able to like yeah. get around somebody or blast out of something mm-hmm. i didn't have it anymore it was like it was like i was a dull edge yeah. and so i went back to eating carbs before every class and it's it's been better for yeah. sure so i think that uh so that's kind of the, the way i eat is that um i do primarily a little bit higher fat um and i do like moderate protein i do like kind of ketogenic but i'm not necessarily in a keto like a ketosis uh like a ketogenic state all the time mm-hmm. i'm not in ketosis all the time because the amount of activity i'm doing just requires i just need more carbs i wonder like, if it's actually more. just healthier to be able to be ad- like adapted to the point where you can eat whatever yeah like that seems that seems to make more sense actually no, no, like, no, like, that's what you that's essentially what you want to be able to mm-hmm. do and there might be something to be said like i haven't had a cheat day in in uh six years mm-hmm. so i haven't had, but there might be something to be said about challenging my body and putting it through the stress of having a cheat day and Should having to deal with to try to yeah no like <laughs> going out and having mcdonald's or something mm-hmm. and seeing how my body can handle it like that would be like it's um just because you, you don't want to be uh, – if you never expose your body – so that's like the same thing about getting sick. If you never expose your body to having to deal with any sort of immune immune stress and then all of a sudden you're exposed to something and then you get really sick because your body's not used to having sure. to deal with that, it might be the same thing. So it's something that I've toyed with recently too is like thinking, should I try a cheat, a cheat day, like my first cheat day in six years and see what happens? Like just kind of experiment with that. I think nothing will happen. Yeah, no, I <laughs> think like, that this is I, delicious, and then the next day you'll be fine. I think like the next day I might feel like a little kind of hungover. Like I might feel like a little, honestly, from eating like weird, some, like not yeah, eating weird. Um, I think that might happen, like a little food hangover. But I think like within a couple of days, I think I would be back to normal. You know, mm-hmm. and um, so I've been like toying with it recently, like thinking should I just go out and just get get a big pizza and eat it and see what happens, and then well, if you ever want help. Yeah, you choose no to do it and you want help let me know yeah so which is kind of hard too because like i did the same thing this is where the whole mental part of it comes in that i was saying before is i've kind of feel like i've locked myself a little bit into this like i'm so healthy i can't do these things that sometimes maybe i'll, I'll miss out a little bit on you know which is a, a little bit unhealthy that yeah, mindset no, it's a little bit unhealthy, yeah <laughs> Yeah. So that's what i think having that healthy relationship with your food i think that's a big key i think is understanding uh, listening to your body and understanding like, man, you know what? I, I did a lot of hard work. I can kind of give myself a little gift here. I don't think most people think of food as fuel and that's yeah. what it is. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, we, we've, our culture has kind of shifted it to be, there's a social part of it. Like you yeah. go out to dinner, which mm-hmm. that's fine. Do it once, twice a week, go to dinner mm-hmm. or have dinner with your family, that kind of thing. Um, but the, I think the big issue is, is that it's turned into a reward Yeah, and it can't because our bodies are meant to, have it be a reward like eating eating pizza feels good eating ice cream feels good but it isn't it's like where we're misusing our biological Mm -hmm. system then so i think that kind of like what you're saying like having the healthy relationship with food redefining the relationship is like you Mm -hmm. are fuel 90 percent of the time like you you can be this kind of thing that 
mm. is pleasure, pleasure part of the time, but yeah. it can't be all the time. Not everybody sees it that way yeah. though. Mm-hmm. And we're encouraged to have dessert twice a day now, yeah. and which is kind of crazy. Like when you, when you, when you think about it, that that's not, mm-hmm. it, it, you, you don't necessarily need to treat twice a day. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's, maybe that's indicative of, and it mirrors bigger problems yeah. where we feel like we do deserve to be yeah. like rewarded constantly. And yeah. it shouldn't be the case. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to, the, 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 yeah. the better fruits come from delaying reward. Yeah. And I just want to, so let me touch on, let me answer your question. Mm-hmm. So I would say the fasting, mm-hmm. I think that's, a, I think that's good because I think naturally in the wild, um, that's that problem solving that I apply to it. And the, the health benefits of fasting, the research on it is extensive. Yeah. Um, so I think that's important. Um, I would then say start to cut out sugars a little bit or try to get to a point like soda, stuff like that. Try, especially those types of sugars, mm-hmm. like just empty sugars, get, right. get rid of those. Um, I would say try that. And then from there, I would say the next thing is lots of vegetables, but of like lots of vegetables and a variation of it. So dealing with, um, I think vegetables are just so, they're so nutrient dense. So what do you say to the people that are beginning to argue or have been arguing the vegetables are actually like kind of poisonous to us? Have you heard this? I think I've kind of heard a little bit of it recently. I think I feel like it's an argument. That's that's, part of the carnivore diet. I think maybe that's why. I don't know if it's explicitly part of it, but like, or a tenet of it, but I know that it's, I've heard it a bunch of times now and I've heard it way more often recently that vegetables are like everything else on earth that they have defense mechanisms to prevent them from being killed. Um, So there's a lot of like, poisonous elements or elements yeah. about them that they make it difficult for us to digest and taxing on for us to digest and it's ultimately I th- they, unhealthy i think they can be raw vegetables are taxing to digest for sure mm-hmm. i think raw that's that's undeniable i think because you just have to break it down and everything like that i think if you can steam your vegetables it makes the digestion a lot easier okay or even like making smoothies or everything like that but i think that and I think there might be something to be said there where certain people might not function as well on higher vegetables. It's the same thing. Like I don't necessarily amount of activity I'm doing don't function when I cut out all my carbs. But if I start introducing more carbs, the right carbs, like if I do, if I do like another more rice at the end of the night, I seem to function a little bit better the next day. So one, one of the but, themes about like nutrition stuff you keep jumping back to is that it's okay to kind of play with it and figure out what works for yeah, you. Yeah, you need to do that. You need to have variation. Mm-hmm. So that was, I was going to say that too. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, un, I think, I think vegetables are important because the, you get a lot of vitamins and minerals and stuff from vegetables. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a lot. It's so, I think that outweighs if you find the right vegetables that are good for you, that are really nutrient dense and everything. I think mm-hmm. that kind of outweighs Okay. Um, I don't actually believe that. I just think it's funny that people are beginning to say that. <laughs> I would have to look into it's, it a little more because I don't know. The, just seeming to me, it seems kind of odd to me to just exclude a whole like group of food that it clearly has a lot of benefits. Because if you were in the wild, so like this is not again, this is not scientific or whatever. Um, my mom has talked about this though on that podcast with uh, where she talks about it is um so cats are um they are obligatory carnivores they can only eat meat mm-hmm. or they're only supposed to but um when it gets older it they can't digest it as well and it takes a lot of energy um they're just older you know so like some so you have to cook a little bit of it and stuff like that I didn't know that I think and 
there's also people that seem to live longer. I think I've read some of this. Uh, so again, I'm just pulling this from my memory is, uh, you, when you adjust to more of a vet, more vegetables later in life, I don't think they're actually as taxing, especially if you cook them the right way. And I think that you would gear more towards that. I don't think you would be able to hunt like that, especially if you were, if you were out in the wild or something like that, getting <laughs> taken down like a big animal or something. That's interesting to think yeah. about that mm-hmm. your body adapts over life. Yeah. To be able. I think, no, I think that's true because I think, hmm. no, in my head. So again, I think that when you're older, it's, I just don't think your body has necessarily maybe the energy to possibly get all the nutrients. It would, it needs to be a little bit less taxing. Um, that's what my mom was saying with the cats, at least. And I could see how that applies to people like your, how your, your diet adjusts. I know Arnold said something like he's moving more towards plant-based stuff. Like he has his meat and everything every now and then, but. Um, he eats a lot of plants now. Really? So I think there's something to be said for that. I think, I don't know. It, it just seems kind of backwards thinking. Cause I think that the more variation you have, I think you seem to function better. And then over time you, uh, I think you function just better. I think uh, opening your body up to having to deal with different types of stress and digesting different things. Um, I think it can function probably a little bit better instead of like, say, just eating meat all the time. Hmm. That it, I would have to look into it more, but I haven't really looked into it honestly because it doesn't really make sense to me. To the pure carnivore diet, yeah, or yeah, it doesn't necessarily make sense. And I've so a couple of the guys have been on Rogan, and again, I don't think there's that much research on it. I think it's a lot of from what I've this is what I've from what I've gathered from people. It's a lot of like I tested this out. I seem to like it a lot type thing instead of like straight research behind it where they're actually like checking blood and looking at mortality. I think Mm -hmm. they do it for themselves. Um, but there hasn't been like a study, I don't think on necessarily the carnivore diet, but I know like Dominic D'Agostino, he said that, uh, like vegetables don't kick him out of keto even. So like he can eat a lot of green vegetables, but he won't get kicked out of keto. So like, even if you're on a ketogenic diet, like you can't, I don't think ignore the benefits that you get from eating vegetables. Yeah. So I think that's important. Like, and like, so, but there's something to be said, you know, because like I, I technically tomato is technically a fruit, right? Technically. Oh, yeah, cause they have seeds, right? Yeah. I technically don't function that great when I eat like tomatoes and onions and stuff like that. Hmm. Or like there's periods of time where like I recently stopped doing a lot of garlic. Now there's a lot of health benefits to garlic, but I think it was like doing a little bit of gut busting for me and kind of giving me a little bit of gut problems. I cut it out and seemed to function a little bit better. So there's like periods of time where I won't eat certain vegetables i just don't think i do as well on them so i like all adjust to other vegetables so i think having like variation is important i don't know i think it's hard to argue against variation in my mind like finding that balance in your food um because you're just drawing from so many different things and getting minerals from different things you're getting you're not excluding certain parts so like if you're a vegetarian and you're a vegan and say you don't and say you're not doing it right so you're not supplementing with the right supplements and everything mm-hmm. you'll, you'll start to see over time there can be some issues i've seen that there can be some issues there sure and um i'll just throw in another disclaimer this is just like stuff i've read um i just want to make it clear that like this is like it's just my passion nutrition's my passion but um so you're you're missing out on a couple of essential minerals that you only really get from meat and stuff like that so i i don't know i think it's i think it's kind of hard to argue for variation i could see in my head, it makes more sense to me that if you apply like, like problem solving logic to it the way I do, that over time you would be eating lots of roots and vegetables and whatever you could gather 
bugs. Bugs, I think, is a is a big thing that has a uh, not been talked about now. Cricket protein. Cricket protein. You'd be eating a lot of bugs out in the wild. You could, whatever you can get your hands on, and they're dense. They're nutrient dense. Um, just so there's that. I think you'd get a lot of protein from that, um, back, like in the wild or whatever. And so, because you're not necessarily going to get a hold of of a deer every day, you know. And and that deer, like so. As we evolved over time, I don't know how recent in history we've been able to preserve our food. If you weren't able to preserve your food, your food was essentially as you everyone had to eat it. And whatever right. went bad, you just didn't get to eat because you couldn't preserve it. So, And if you didn't catch something, you would be eating whatever everyone gathered. Yeah. So I think there would be periods in time – and there's periods of time where you'd fail. You would not catch the animal and it would get away, especially like say in a smaller tribe or something like that. Yeah. You'd out hunting. They'd fail. So – I think there's periods in time where you would not be having those foods. So I think it's hard to, I think it's kind of hard to argue against variation, especially from like, if you look at it from like an evolutionary perspective. So is there any, as far as you know, health expert people that are arguing for that? Like have to come up with some kind of diet protocol that variation? Yeah. Like with I specific- think most people, if you asked them, would say some sort of variation is really good. Like even, like even in like keto. I don't, I don't think that's what you hear though. You hear you should be. Vegan, you should be vegetarian, you should be carnivore, whatever you should be. It might be different for me because uh, I'll admit I I can kind of get myself into this little bit of a bubble uh, where I'm listening to a lot of the same, not necessarily the same people, but I hear a lot of the same. Maybe some confirmation bias. Yeah, there might be some confirmation bias there. Um, And that's something I I try to check every now and then and try to make sure. Um, But when it's, it can be difficult to. If the, like, so say the few and say, like, if you're vegetarian, vegan, or like a solely carnivore diet. So those are pretty extreme, I would say. Um, well, vegan and carnivore diet. Those are the two extremes so far, right? Sure. Now. Yeah. Um, they're actually completely opposed. So, um, if they're really loud and people are advocating for that, I could see where it would seem like most people are calling for that. But it's probably just because they're in the extremes. They might be in the extremes and they might be the loudest. But I think if you look at people that make pretty reasonable cases for the for diets that make sense, I think you see lots of variation. I think uh, – so like even – so like Dominic you know, talking about um, the ketogenic diet, he might say like cut back on your carbs – but he seems to, in, from my interpretation, like you're getting variation in the rest of the diet. Like you're getting your fats from a bunch of different places. You're getting a lot of vegetables, things like that. You're getting some moderate. You're not getting lots of fruit. You're getting like pretty low amounts of fruit. Mm-hmm. You're still getting fruit. Yeah. And okay. Yeah. So I think, I think it depends. I think it's that's a pretty hard question actually. I don't know if I can answer that right now. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know if I have all the information on that. Well, maybe um, you can be the guy that puts together the diet. Yeah. To maybe the argument because we'll if everybody's if because. It does. Now that you put it that way, it does kind of make sense. A lot of people are advocating it, whether they know they're advocating it for it or not. Yeah. And maybe if there was a, a voice that was like, "Hey, it's okay." <laughs> I was actually, I was actually just watching a YouTube video today about this guy, Critical. Uh, he's a YouTube comedian, but I didn't realize he got a uh, degree in exercise science and stuff like that. And uh, he was breaking down the ketogenic diet, and I was waiting for him to like drop his curse word and say like, "This is completely ridiculous" or whatever. But he actually broke it down super well. And he did a good job, like a good animation video. And I was like, man, he actually kind of knows his stuff. And I found out later that he had like an exercise science degree or whatever. And um, he was talking about, he said, you want to have like moderate protein and you want to have high fats and everything. And you want to 
like reduce the amount of carbs, reduce the amount of fruits, but you're still getting all of those things. Like, so I think that if you, I think just like taking a little bit farther and cause I also, I'm really interested in like philosophy and all those things. So I, I really like looking at it from that evolutionarily problem solving perspective of trying to see how would it apply. And I'm not saying that cause obviously the world's better now, right? Like I can, I can choose what diet I eat. Mm-hmm. So, but maybe I would function a little bit better if I ate more like an ancestral diet. That's kind of what I've heard it called is uh, just eating more ancestral, just eating nutrient dense foods that you can get a hold of that are really good. Hmm. There's a place for, um, I think there's a, like, so the paleo diet would say you can't have any breads or you can't have like potatoes or certain things. Um, and, but now I think that there, there is a place for those foods. So there's a place in time, especially in our society, because people live differently. Like, I think there's a place for having, like having your, like I'll have rye, I'll have rye bed. It does rye or sourdough. I forget what my mom makes, but it doesn't have gluten in it. Like the gluten's already, she sprouts it. So it's all, it's all processed. The plant gets rid of it. Yeah. But, um, I'll eat that. And that's nutrient dense. I seem to function really well when I have that, you know, I think you can, there, I think there's a place for all those things when you vary it up. I don't know. I think also be, like, if you're going to consider the ancestral stuff and not having variants, mm-hmm. like the, like pizza's not going away. Yeah. Like it's mm-hmm. like, so if, if, it's not like if you. It's not like you avoiding those foods is is going to ultimately lead to like like the variance and availability of food is here to stay. So why not try to get used to, I, to finding it? Finding the right, yeah. I think finding where mm-hmm. it fits in. I I don't know. I think it's hard to argue against, mm-hmm. like logically. Um, it would seem to make like you were saying before, finding a place where you can really eat anything you want. Um, that would be the ideal thing, is right, and that your body can handle it, mm-hmm. and then just kind of adjusting the parameters from there like okay i won't eat this until later in the day but yeah. i'll have these other foods earlier in the day and certain days and, a week too yeah yeah, certain days a week and depending on my amounts of activity i think once you inter integrate it with your your fitness and everything and you're working out and diet wise and everything and finding out how much you're doing i think, I think it becomes a lot easier i or, think there's I mean, people like people i think that, that's like something i think that you you have difficulty like seeing like I think most people don't want to do that. Like, like yeah. they they want like one thing to think about and simple yeah, stuff so, to like. Yeah, no, I can definitely see that because it's definitely mm-hmm. interesting to me. So, oh. like doing all that math is tough. Yeah, I don't need. I don't necessarily count, but like I, I do like kind of like a mental thing. Oh, I'm seeing. Sorry, I meant like um logical math of like oh, considering yeah. I'm doing this type of workout this day and this type of yeah. like, like activity this day, so I'm going to increase. Like people. It's uh, people. Ne- I don't think people, the majority of people will never ever be at that point where they're yeah. going to do that. Yeah, no. Uh, I would like to get to a point where um, I can kind of help people out with that. Yeah, so we'll see. Maybe get more into that. Yeah. One of the ways it's always made it easier for me, especially since I started doing intermittent fasting, is thinking about the number of meals per week. It's mm-hmm. really like so. If I I really meet, eat two big meals a day. Because yep. I skip breakfast, mm-hmm. so I eat fourteen times a week. That's like very manageable for me to think about. So mm-hmm. if I if I can eat ten of them as being yeah. close as close to perfect as I, they can, mm-hmm. and then cheat the other four, that's pretty good. And if I can yeah. the percentage crank, on that's not bad. And if I can crank it up to twelve and two, which is the ideal, then that's even better. But that also that's really good. A lot of Saturdays doesn't happen. <laughs> I think that no. So like that's what I say. Like if people come to me and they ask me questions, I say, well, the, like if I was in your situation, like usually what I would do is I would say you have to make it easy for people because I was talking again, I was talking that I had the same conversation the other day where I was saying, you don't want to sit there and do like, you're not like me. 
I like to sit there and pick up the package of the food I'm eating, read all the nutrition facts, read what's in it. I enjoy doing that. Like, I think it's fun. I love seeing in foods and going, Psh, I'm not going to eat that. Like, look at what's in this. This is ridiculous. I can't believe they put this in food. Yeah, people don't want to do that. Yeah, so people don't want to do that, but I have fun doing that. So and I ing- ignorance is, is bliss for them, too. They don't want to know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, uh, I tell them, I go, you need to make it easy for yourself. You need to give yourself a little bit of credit and pick one or two things at a time. I seriously think it comes down to doing one or two things at a time. I yeah. think even just doing one, I think, so like when people come to me, I say, just start with the fasting or if you're, but if you don't want to fast, I would say, start trying to cut out sodas or something like that. I think going back to something as simple as that, cause you used to see that like in diets all the time where they're like, all right, cut out your sodas and do this. I think there's something to be said for simplifying it down to one or two things at a time, giving people that break, having their, their day where they have a break from it and then and then teach them how to do it themselves. So it's that whole, um, if I, uh, give, if you teach a man to fish, yeah. I think there's something to be, I think there's something to be said for simplifying it and teaching them to say, well, listen to your body a little bit more. Um, once you get a little bit more in tune with it, you'll find out what you can and can't eat. And then just cutting out one or two things at a time until you just get used to it. And then you're, and then you, it becomes habit. It becomes habit. It yeah. becomes something that isn't mentally taxing for you. Yeah, and that's the whole like, and then you add something else style thing, mm-hmm. which I know can sound like super condescending at times. Like, well, no, I mean, the way you just argued, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Cause I do, I don't, cause I think people like tend to, what's that whole thing? Like motivation is fleeting. Discipline is everlasting or something oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like people tend to get really motivated. When like, start, oh, it's the first know. of the month. Yeah. I'm eating just vegetable this, this week. And you only have, you have a finite amount of willpower. Yeah. So if you, Oh no, it's difficult. Mm-hmm. It's difficult. But if you ramp up to it, to the point where, Oh, I stopped drinking soda two months ago and I don't even, it's not even an option in my brain anymore. It requires no mental fuel to do that. That's what I've, I've described this to people before. For me, my cheat day is like I was saying, it's like paleo pancakes and having a little bit more carbs. But that's not where most people would start. Yeah. yeah, That's not where most people, it's eventually, and I'm not saying most people will get there, but for a lot of things, it can, it can, it's not that hard to get there. Like saying, like soda's the perfect example. It's easy to pick on. It's a low hanging fruit. Yeah. So we're gonna just I'll just stick with that one for now. Um, if you just get people to cut out sodas and you, you'll see that they improve a lot because there's all that sugar in it and it's all it's not really that good for you. So I mean it's not good for you. But and I think it's pretty widely accepted that it's not good for you. I'm watching uh, the documentary The Staircase, which is really popular right now on Netflix. It's like a, one of those true crime, fourteen episode, an hour long things, and the early part of it all takes place when the murder occurred, which was like the, which was like 1994 or supposed murder occurred. Mm-hmm. I don't know yet. Um, 1994. One of the things that I've noticed more than anything is how much soda everybody is drinking. Yeah. Every time, every time there's any kind of situation where they're lo- searching at jury members, the lawyers are conferring mm-hmm. 1994. I think it is. Yeah. Everybody has soda. Yeah. Every single person. Now it would be water bottles and it wouldn't even be water bottles. It yeah. would probably be like, it would, well, it would probably be like reusable water bottles. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think we've actually moved yeah, a, yeah, a, yeah. away from the soda. Mm-hmm. But that, I remember thinking that as I was watching it, like there's like everybody has a soda in their hand. Yeah. And it's the just, same thing with like cigarettes. Oh, for sure. Yeah. There's yeah. people smoking in it too. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's a couple, couple like all of the time. Ways. You look at like those old like 60s dramas mm-hmm. or whatever. Everybody used to smoke and that's where so on a, we moved away from that. A macro level. Kind of what you were saying about changing one thing at a time is occurring yeah. within our society. Yeah. I think we there's it, 
continuing with like nutrition, there's like a dissonance that I have trouble wrapping my head around that I'm kind of well-read on this and kind of knowledgeable about this. Mm -hmm. There's a dissonance about like what is the right thing to do. And a lot of that has to do with special interest trying to yeah. continue things that are mm-hmm. profitable but not healthy but then also like we, how many how many different approaches to diet do we just talk about over the last 15 there's minutes like a bunch so because I, of the I don't dissonance think there's like one that that's the thing too that's why i think it's so hard to argue against variation too is because i don't think there's one answer i don't think that if you take someone who is doing my activity levels and doing what i do and have my diet and you put someone on the same diet that i'm on and they're not say they're not doing anything. Mm-hmm. I don't think they would feel that great. Probably, mm. I would think they might feel they might put on weight. Honestly, <laughs> if they're not doing the same, because they're just yeah. If they're eating the same amount that I'm eating, then they, they and they don't have the same output. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's like a big thing. So it's I don't know. In my mind, and maybe as I learn more about nutrition, and get older, maybe it'll change. But I think it's pretty hard to make an argument logically against having some sort of variation in your diet. I think just. Also, like having your body just get used to those things and like trying to stress it a little bit. I well, I wish more people were screaming that. Yeah. Then I think it's easy. don't eat meat and don't eat like like yeah. is that you like like you were saying earlier the extremes are what you hear. Yeah, you, I think because the well the thing is with the um with is that there's these movements behind them too, which also makes them louder. I guess makes it like a tribe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To the vegan one's easy to pick because that. There is a movement behind it, which is like, don't kill animals. So, oh yeah, there's an ethical connection. Yeah, yeah. So, the, so that connects in with it. So I think that makes it a little bit louder. Um, the carnivore one, I, I, again, I don't know much about it. And I, I can't imagine that the same, it has like the same ethical argument behind it. But I think that there's something to be said for that, that because it had, like, if I argue for variance, like I'm, I'm sitting there, I don't have like, well, don't kill animals sitting behind mm-hmm. you know what i mean sure it doesn't have that so i think that's i think that's kind of a point there that's too. a good point yeah yeah so people things get tied across purposes yeah and i don't think it looks good like when you see like rogan had that guy on who has like the the wild meat shop butcher the butcher guy i think i missed that one and so he had a i didn't listen to the whole thing but he um he had a guy who's a butcher in vancouver i think and he was, uh, there was a bunch of vegans. They protest him like every single day. <laughs> so, so he like cut the meat in front of them. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. So he like cut the meat in front of them. Like, and I think that stuff like that kind of makes it pretty loud too. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's, it's also like fun or like people find it fun and yeah. a talking point to put that on Facebook and Instagram and yeah. and then you Whereas get to comment like, and it's yeah. a, it's a, it's a, a very easy thing to say something about and feel like you're like, yeah intellectually stimulated or yeah. uh, stimulated in some way. Yeah. I think it's a lot easier to think it from that point to say whether or not. So like, again, we'll just stick with vegans cause it's, it's, it's easy. Um, because it has that whole moral compass thing behind it. Like don't kill animals. Like I think it's easier to think about and say, I don't want to kill animals or I'm okay with like, killing animals as long as I eat everything or like something like that. I think it's easier to think about it from that perspective than to say evolutionarily, how did we evolve with our food and how did our, and there's also a point to, there's also a thing there. Our food also evolved with us too Mm -hmm. because we selectively bred all our food. Yeah. Now it's the original GMO. Yeah. Which I can't stand that, (laughs) that like in my mind that I don't know, because then 
that's like one if if pe- people sometimes use that argument to say that like all foods are GMOs because they grew up with us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, that, technically, like, yeah. I, I technically, just, you I don't just, like that. I don't like it as much because then. If you make that argument, then everything is a GMO in my and that, mind. So, it, so you need like another another yeah. label for it then. Yeah, so. Something that Monsanto has gone in. And yeah, <laughs> which the, I mean, I, again, so I think this is that's like a hotly contested topic where I don't necessarily like to eat or I don't, I try to eat non-GMO, right? Um, I think that you can go like too far off the deep end and be like really aggressive with it and make cases that don't make sense. But I think there's like the other side where it can also not be like healthy for you too. Hmm. So, I mean, that, that's kind of a difficult kind of touchy topic. I like in, especially in like a kind of, especially like even in my science classes where if I take a genetics course, um, they'll say like GMOs, there's nothing bad about them or anything like that. And then if I, but if I kind of do my own little kind of off research or whatever and kind of read into some things, like you can find a couple little bit of problems there. So, oh yeah, well, I mean, there's, I mean, if if the studies have been touched at all by yeah. some kind of corporation that benefits yeah. from, then you have to, which is where it gets like a little hairy. So, which is kind of frustrating because I could say like, yes, I don't eat GMOs, but then be branded like against science or something like that. So, interesting. Yeah. So that's like it. There would be a lot. So if I stood up in my genetics class and I was like, man, I don't eat GMOs. I don't think they're good for you like let's say i said that in my science class i would get a lot of blowback like i'd be considered a joke so but i think like if i was in certain nutrition circles and said that like i would be pretty much accepted perfectly fine hmm. um there's like the there is an issue with uh, i believe um spraying all that on there so this is one thing so let's just pick this like let's pick like monsanto and glyphosate and stuff like that if you're spraying that on the food all the time um I don't think it's necess- it's not really good for the uh, for the for the actual uh, for the soil, which I pe- people don't really think about. So the soil over time. So you're growing the food in the soil. So you hear about this all the time, like cycling your crops. Yeah, yeah, that's the original one. But if you're spraying that all the time, it kills everything in the soil. So there's an example in India. There's a good documentary on it where they started introducing GMOs and it killed all the soil and all the food like died and they couldn't grow anything and all these farmers went out of business and everything like that. Um, yeah, I forget what it's called. My mom watched it. She told me about it. It's really interesting, but. Um, and then it takes years for that soil to recover. I'm talking like 20 years. So a generation, a generation yeah. of farmers can't. Yeah. So mm. for that to recover. So there must be something going yeah. on. But there's also something to be said too where there's this cycle uh, when you look at it um, that bugs evolve much faster than we do. So they spray it on there for the bugs, right? So you start getting these super bugs because they – or insects. So they get super insects because they evolve to deal with this, and then you have to keep combating it. So what they do is they just keep spraying more and more tons to kill these insects because they keep developing over generations because of natural selection. The generation of bugs uh, – That survives. They, they survive. They can handle more than oh, the generation no. before, and their gestation time is – or not gestation time. Their, uh, their breeding time is way faster than ours. That sounds like the beginning of a horror movie. Yeah, so you get like – you get superbugs that can just handle all these massive amounts of chemicals that you spray on the food. I think that could be – and the way they solve it is they just spray more chemicals. So, Which will work in the short term, but – yeah, and I don't know if it's necessarily good to have that all in the food. It's like an arms race against yeah. nature, which will probably then, not win. There is the, I don't know, 
genetic modification. So actually going in there, the way it works is they take a gun. So they have a gun and then they inject it into the actual egg or whatever. And then they, they squirt the DNA in there. Mm-hmm. So that's, um, that's how it works. I believe that's how, that's how it was explained to me in my genetics course. Um, so they spray the actual or they inject it with DNA or whatever. And they, then you hope it takes and the DNA comes and it takes up the DNA to genetically modify that. But then you have like CRISPR where they can actually change like single base pairs, mm-hmm. which is pretty crazy. That's bananas. The one thing that I see there is that, so I can see the argument for saying like something's going extinct and genetically modifying it to save it. So like around here, um, the, there's, uh, these big, they're not willow trees. Um, do you know what baseball bats are made out of? I do not. There's a famous, there's a famous tree that baseball bats are made out of. They're all going extinct. Um, around here they're all going to be dead because there's a uh there's a um, oh it's some kind of moth or something there's like a moth yeah. i do remember yeah. hearing about this mm-hmm. yeah it's going through it's killing all of them and there's nothing we can do i was actually i was at a uh, camping this weekend at a yeah. state park and they were they had shut down that part of the trail because anything that had any kind of mark of the moth living there they were just cutting down yeah mm-hmm. because they were trying to save the rest of the forest yeah, it's killing all it's killing all of them so <sighs> There's like that moral thing that if we can save it, why shouldn't we save it? Um, And I could see the case being made like, well, if we can slightly genetically modify it to or crossbreed it or something to make it so that it it is um, it is resistant to that, then maybe we can save the species because the species is going to die. I can kind of see that. But then there's also like if you start mass doing it on food. I think that there is an argument to be made if you change if you're changing a bunch of base pairs or you're changing a bunch of DNA up the road what are the results on yeah. the road It could be like a butterfly effect thing Yeah so I think that there's something I don't and again I'm I'm not like an expert on that so I think that's again I don't even have a degree so Well I think it's fair to say that something will happen and it, and yeah, what is the what is the happen. percentage what like what is the percentage point of that thing being so devastating that we don't mm-hmm survive from it yeah mm-hmm. it's crazy to think about it's crazy to think about have, what the world's going to be like in 50 yeah. years so there's a there's a website called responsible technology institute i think dot mm-hmm. org or something um it's run by a guy from canada so you have gut you have bacteria in your gut so they did a study on pregnant women that ate a lot of gmo foods and they found out that bacteria in your gut can actually pick that up and then re-continue to produce the chemicals that come from that genetically modified so they're so there's plants that they have genetically modified that produce their own chemicals that kill the bugs. Okay. Instead of actually having to spray it on there, I believe. So that, again, again, disclaimer, I'm pulling this from my memory. It's the fifth one. Uh, yeah. No, I, I just, I want to cover all I my gotcha. bases. But, um, so that will produce it instead of having actually sprayed all the time or that it's already in the food so that when the bug eats it, it dies. Um, there's, I think some evidence to show that if you like, if you eat that all the time and your, your gut microbiome genetically picks that up, and starts to then becomes little genetic producers of that chemical and then you get like leaky gut and stuff like that. Hmm. I think in this study it showed that it carried over the children. That's very scary. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. Again, that's like one of those touchy subjects, especially that like I'm, so I'm willing to talk about anything, right? But that's like one of those touchy subjects, like even on here where I'm like kind of afraid to say, like I don't really know where I stand on that. Like I kind of have my own reservations about it, but I have to kind of logically think it through. Well, because- I would I would argue that. So you're, I mean, you're not you're not an expert. And I'll give you a disclaimer there, but yeah. like people that are 
like with your like I don't know what to call it, like alt nutrition or like all what do you, what do you guys call yourselves? What do you people call yourselves? I don't even know. Well, all you, like like if you Let's follow just say ancestral nutritionist. Okay, ancestral nutritionist. You don't like alt nutrition, okay? Um, but we're like all, we'll go with alternative. Regard, regardless of regardless of like what field you're in, whether it's the fitness field or nutrition field, like there has to be like kind of like a vanguard that goes out yeah. and. Talk, at least talks yeah. about these mm-hmm. things and tries them out and thinks about them. And honestly, you're probably going to get shut down, <laughs> even if you're right, by some big company who's yeah. going to make money off of it. And then we'll look back and say, why didn't we listen to those people? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of like smoking was yeah. <laughs> like, but. So I don't know. For me, it's just like, I just want to help people. And I just like doing this podcast for fun. And I love it. It'd be cool if this took off. Mm-hmm. Um, but. It's one of those things too, where I'd be willing to like talk to someone and and be like, okay, well, what's your case for, like that's like what Rogan does, where he has people on and he's like, what's your case for this? Like, yeah, and as that, that'd be cool to have like someone who's really an expert in genetically modified stuff, really have it on, and then I can say like, well, I don't really see the, like I like maybe I don't see eye to eye with you on this or something like that, or maybe I just don't have the evidence. Or sure, but yeah, that's definitely one of those things where, like. That I'm talking about like the very first class in my genetics class. It was like GMOs are good for you, um, type thing. Man, yeah, so um, Man, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. That's the thing. So. How, how many? So I, like education has that too, where there's like there's people like the the people that are running things are kind of set, like if you go to like teacher college, there's a lot they tell you and spend a lot of time. Okay. Yeah, looking, we only have half an hour left. Oh, okay. Well, before. we'll wrap up soon. But like, yeah. there's, but it's there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on in college that is kind of a waste of time. And once you get into the classroom, you find maybe it's not the best way to do things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I bet every field has that though. Yeah. Like, there's some kind of special inf- in, interest that infiltrated our the our system, like the the credit the way that we do things, which is like mm-hmm. this, ha- this has college. happened on podcasts before too. What do you mean? So Ben had someone on his podcast, and then he found out. Who was arguing against? Who was arguing for gluten or something? I believe. And then it came out later. There was this whole list of people that had special interests or getting paid. And oh she was one of those gosh. scientists that was paid by this thing. Oh my gosh! I, so I, it's always stuck in my mind. I read um, Republic Lost by Lawrence Les- Lessing. I think the guy's name is. Mm-hmm. I forget. He's like some kind of economist or something like that. But uh, he worked for I think under Bill Clinton as like an advisor. But he argued like it's special interest is the biggest issue in our entire society because it it's pernicious and affects everything yeah because anybody that has the money or yeah. like pull to affect things so that they mm-hmm. can get more money and more pull yeah. they're going to do that and so it's in everything um and a lot of our our systems our scientific systems our political systems um like mass communication like the internet like everything everything is all like they all every field has it mm-hmm. and it's scary to think how much of what we are doing and we think we're doing right or things we're avoiding because they're harmful aren't actually harmful. Yeah. It's crazy to think about. Mm. Yeah. It's almost, it's almost like so like vast and daunting and overwhelming. Like I understand why a lot of people shut down. Yeah. Like even like when you were talking about some of your fitness stuff, I'm like, I'm like above average in this, in in this, in this field. And I, this is way over my head. So it's kind of scary to think about like, how much we're being controlled, <laughs> yeah, being so, controlled in that sense. Yeah. And in areas where it really matters, like our health. Yeah. Yeah. I know that's the scary, yeah. that's, that's the scary thing. 
is that. Like, but you can't take back your health. Yeah. There's no instant, well, at least right now, we don't have any instant fixes. Yeah. So like if, yeah, that whole special interest thing, like your client. So let's pick for, there's like a whole thing where like, I think, man, that like, I don't want to say something wrong here. Um, but it was something with like a heart association or something. It might've even been like the American heart association, um, where, you know, Ansel keys, the guy, the saturated fat guy, mm-hmm. saturated fats are bad for you. Yeah. That essentially, oh yeah, yeah, he got on time and that funded. And essentially, there was a, an association that cropped up overnight because he paid for the whole thing. And then, <sighs> which is kind of scary because if, because these people are getting funding from somewhere, right? And they're only going to continue to get funding if they say a certain thing, which is, and it would be nice if everything wasn't that way. But then it's hard to listen because. Like, so if, if I'm right and let's say it was the American Heart Association or whatever, and I'm not saying it is, I'm just saying if, if that was the case. Right? I understand. Yeah. There was That's some organization heart, right? that did That's that. Your yeah. Heart, right? Yeah. So. And because of when was this? This was like 40 years ago or something like that. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So people, I think it's people died. <laughs> like yeah. people died thinking that they were doing the yeah. right thing when so they weren't doing like the right the whole, thing. Like Rogan talked about this too, like that were the salt is bad for you and stuff like in saturated fats where we now know that if you get the right types of stuff, like that's not true. Yeah. So, which finally that's coming out, but so like, let's take that for example and you pay, so you pay for a whole association, whatever it is, like say there was like an American liver association or something. Right. And for all these years, alcohol would be good for you. Right. So there's like a very terrible hypothetical, but then you find out it's not sure. And the liver, you can't really do anything about that. You know what I mean? That's one of those first organs that start to shut down. Irreversible damage, yeah. Yeah, it's like, and they get damaged bad. And like, you can do like liver detoxing and stuff like that and try and help with that. But if you're, you can kill off parts of your organs that die off and then they don't come back. So that's even like, even the CTE stuff mm-hmm. we were saying before, you can shut off parts of your brain essentially and it just doesn't come back. Like it doesn't turn back on. Mm-hmm. Really. Like, or blood flow won't go to it and just doesn't come back. So. Mm super scary like yeah. so like if you have the wrong special interest somewhere it'd be kind of yeah scary. i don't know uh man malcolm gladwell has a podcast and he just had an episode about coal um a doctor who was the first one to say that coal mining wasn't good for your lungs because yeah. apparently they like doctors advocated that it was good like oh the benefits of coal dust and yeah. th- this guy was the first guy that went <laughs> in and was like, uh, actually, I started looking and people are dying in their 50s. Like and at extreme rates. <laughs> and but up, up until then. Yeah. That's like a perfect example mm-hmm. because it's your health. Like it doesn't come back. So then bring it a full circle. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like that's like why we're in this. Re- like the internet has internet and podcasting. YouTube has allowed for like alternate points of view and it, and it is a double-edged sword because then you get like wackadoos who say the earth is flat, yeah. but you're also getting people to share information that wouldn't have gotten out there in mass quantities. Yeah. Like I wouldn't know I, like my own personal education, not my formal education would have been like, it would have been like a 10th of what it was if it wasn't for Reddit and listening to podcasts and all those yeah. things. Uh, so I think it's good that people like you who are just trying to contribute to the common good are doing yeah. stuff like this. Yeah. And I think when you eventually figure out the place, like what you're supposed to be doing and what your niche is going to be and how mm-hmm. to optimally get information out of people to improve the quality of their lives, it's going to, it's, it's going to be helpful because if there aren't people with no special interest or anything like that doing it, we're not moving forward. Mm-hmm. It's scary to think about. 
All right. Yeah. And then uh, I think that's a good spot to... We'll end it there. Yeah. But first, is there anything you want to end off with? Uh, well, anything? we didn't get to Lord of the Rings. I, I anticipated well, I mean, a future we, episode where I just pick your brain about Lord of the you'll Rings. You'll be on again, for sure. <laughs> I mean, how long was this episode? This episode uh, was like... I don't know. I lost time. It's at least two hours. Yeah. Um, no, it's over two hours. Okay. It's <laughs> well, over two hours. Then I'm sure we'll, we'll do some other stuff. But yeah. No, I you, had a you, lot of fun. Thank you so much for coming on. We'll do a Lord of the Rings episode in yeah, the future. For sure. <laughs> I, I even have to put this into three episodes. Oh, God. This is long. Like, I'm... Look, I looked over at the time. I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Well, Thank you cool. so much for coming on, Chris. Thank you. I'm happy you. to support you and your yeah. efforts. Thank you. I'll definitely have you on again. And sure. then after you come back, you're going, we didn't even get to talk about your China trip. I'm traveling to the Orient yeah. soon. Yes. Yeah. When you do that, when you come back, you'll I'm sure be I'll on. have lots to say. Yeah. yeah. I'm, right. go, I'm going there for a teacher exchange thing. Yeah. No, that'll be the perfect time to pick your brain then. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you everybody for tuning in. Kill it the rest of the week. All right. Love you guys. Bye. <laughs>